1: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here in the wee hours of Monday morning. Not too long ago, I left Dirty Noble Field after watching uh, Campbell and VCU play. Of course, Campbell wins that ball game. We hung around for postgame, got some postgame quotes uh, from the Campbell Campbells. It's a good ball game. very entertaining ball game. also kind of indicative of where those two teams are pitching-wise, which is good news for Mississippi State. We're going to break down the weekend. We're going to look ahead to Monday's regional final game. I'm going to say game because I'm holding out a lot of hope that Mississippi State wins game one, so there's not a game two. One of the reasons why is I got a book release party downtown from 5 to 7 uh, at Bookmart and Cafe. So if you're in town after the ballgame, come down and we can hang out. You can get the new book. We can say hello, take a picture. All that good stuff. If we have to play a second game, we're going to have to push back a day. So I don't want to have to do that. Love to be able to meet you guys and have an opportunity to talk about the, the new book, Blooms of Oleander. If you can't make it to town, you can order from Amazon, uh, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, or you can call the Miriam Books or Book Martin Cafe or even have your favorite bookstore order it for you. So looking forward to that. Before I get into the weekend, I want to give a shout-out to a young Mississippi State baseball fan who was in town and there's a couple of things I want to share with you. I shared some of these things on Twitter, but I got some more information about some of this stuff, and I want to share it with you because I think it's important. So one of the great things about the regional is I have been able to go spend some time in the lounge because, you know, game day is a work day for me. And so when the Bulldogs are playing, I'm in a press box. You know, we've got to run down lineups and that sort of stuff, do a play-by-play, I got articles and that sort of stuff. So with these regionals, when we're not playing, I've been out there hanging out with my friends, Johnny Hayes and Stomp and Hobie and other people like that and making new friends, having a great time. Got to meet some of you guys out there. A lot of you guys came up, said hello, told me how much you enjoyed the show. I said it then, I'll say it now. Thank you very much. It means a lot to me. I put a lot of effort into all of this, you know, the articles, the books, the show, all that good stuff, man. I I love what we do. I don't even feel like it's work. I mean, some days I do. You know, some days, uh, like today, you know, wake up around 6 30, and I'm thinking, there is no way I'm getting up at 6 30, and we don't have a ball game to go to anytime soon. Went back to bed, slept a few more hours, happy to do it. Got to get this thing done, got to get an article written, and I got to get up and do radio, and then get back to Duty Noble Field. And I'm not complaining, I love what we do. But sometimes it's nice to be able to have a little time to go out to the lounge and be with my friends. And uh, kind of enjoy the experience. And, you know, enjoy a ball game that that I'm not emotionally invested in. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, you know, when states play it and I'm on the edge of my seat, covering the game or not. You know, I try not to cheer in the press box, but you know it's one of those things I'm saying. It's like, you know, it's nice because I love college baseball. One of the things that I love most about college baseball is I think it brings out the best in us. I spent basically this whole weekend hanging out with some of the Campbell baseball players that didn't make the travel roster and that's a big disappointment for those guys but they're still here to support their team cheer for their friends and i've gotten to know them and many of their parents And man it's wonderful man i'm really happy we're playing them in a regional final tonight. listen as i told them tonight before i left i said guys i love you guys to death i hope you leave here with a whooped tail but a great attitude i hope you leave here feel like you had a great experience since you loved mississippi state a couple of those guys joke and said hey hey steve uh if you can hook us up, man, we'll hit the transfer portal. Of course, I'm not interested in any of that kind of stuff. But, uh, man, it's been a great weekend. And the weekend's not over for us yet we still got some business to attend to due to some weather. But being out there in the lounge it kind of allows you to reconnect and, and reminds you of the greatness of Mississippi State baseball fandom. We have some amazing people that feed an army of people they don't know. All because we all share a love for college baseball, and in most cases Mississippi State. It's wonderful. But there was a young man by the name of Kane Sandridge out of Madison that did something super cool, and I got some more information about this little exchange uh, tonight. But Kane is a as a 12 year old bulldog, from what I understand, and he was uh, at the game with some friends. And there was a, a young man from Campbell that hit a home run. And uh, shortly after that ball landed, Kane ends up in possession of the home run ball. And listen, I mean, how rare is that? You go to a college ball game or a major league ball game and you get, you get a souvenir for free because of the fact that, uh, you know, hey, you just happen to be in the right place at the right time. You get a souvenir. I understand he was very happy to have it. Pretty cool thing. He got a home run ball. Well, he didn't keep it. And here's what happened. So, here's the cool thing about it. And um, I don't know if you guys have kept up at all with, uh, you know, this group here. Zach Neto. we have talked about him uh, on the show. We previewed the regional. He is from Miami, Florida. Zach is a freshman and has had an incredible freshman year there for Campbell starting at the shortstop. And some of his teammates told me, you know, back during the fall, they said, you know what, this kid's going to have a future, but he's not going to be a starter this year. They get in the spring. He kind of was a slow starter in the spring, and then all of a sudden he picks it up. He becomes a dude. Through, uh, through today's games, he's hitting four hundred eight as a freshman with 12 dingers, 58 ribbies. Leads the team in home runs starts at shortstop I mean just a dude being a dude so he hits the home run from what I'm told and his uncle is there and asks young Kane hey listen that's my nephew to hit that home run do you mind if I have the ball and Kane Sandridge gave him the baseball and I'm told he did it with a smile on his face and he's like hey here there was not a moment's hesitation but then the uncle says hey let me pay you for the ball the kid wouldn't take any money and I understand later on that uh, Neto's parents were like, hey, let's get a signed ball, you know, for Kane. I don't know if that happened. If, and listen, if you guys know the Sandridge family, I'd love to know that he actually got the baseball, especially since he didn't ask for it. But I think it's wonderful and it speaks well of Mississippi State. And so one of the, uh, one of the, the Campbell girlfriends, uh, baseball girlfriends, uh, tells me that uh, his family, that Zach Neto's family, has every home run ball he's ever hit, with the exception of one. And it's signed by Zach with the date, with the score, who they played, all the details, and it's in a little case on their mantle. I think it was home run number two this year they didn't get. And so I thank Kane for not being that guy that kept the home run ball, especially for a freshman. You know, it's one like, you know, I'm sure Brent Rooker, you know, hit so many home runs, it was kind of old hat, you know, to get a baseball. But you know what, for a freshman playing in an SEC stadium and an NCAA regional, that's a really big deal. So, Kane, here's what I'm going to do for you. You have somebody reach out to me, and I, if you haven't got them already, I'm going to send you a signed copy of a book. You can pick whichever one you want. I'm going to send it to you for free. I'll ship it to you for free. Not because you asked for anything, but because you deserve something. And I think it's absolutely incredible that you did this for somebody you didn't even know because it was the right thing to do. And so, for you being a great bulldog, I've got a couple books pretty much exclusively about Mississippi State sports, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs. got seven baseball stories in Alpha Dogs, including a chapter on Jake Bankham. So you pick out which book you want. I will send it to you free of charge because I want to reinforce this behavior. I think this, these are great things that happen, and it's, college baseball is just a little bit different. There's another story I want to read to you, too, before we get into the show too deeply. Something that happened at Arkansas, and I can't verify this is true or not, but I want to read it to you anyway, because if there's enough of it that's true, I think it makes it even more wonderful. So the following story was shared on an Arkansas fan forum. So, again, I can't vouch for the, the complete accuracy of this, but it is, uh, it is an incredible story. And, again, I hope this is 100% correct. I know many of you don't like Arkansas. I got a lot of respect for Arkansas. I want to beat them, right? I hate them when they beat us, but I respect them. I do. They love baseball just as much as we do. They don't have a stadium as nice as ours, but they did love college baseball. So so a guy named Isaac Trotter shared this on hogville.net, and it's about NJIT. That's a New Jersey Institute of Technology. made the NCAA tournament field for the first time in program history. And so here's the story. A team without a baseball field of their own came from New Jersey to play the number one team in the country. They gave Arkansas everything they had, but came up short. You may recall that ballgame ended 13-8. NJIT actually had the lead early on. NJIT played Northeastern today, and the Hog fans showed up wearing their T-shirts. When Northeastern made pitching changes, NJIT called the Hogs with Razorback fans. When they loaded the bases, Hog fans put their beer hats on, and the NJIT fans held their beers on top of their heads. When their pitcher punched Alaska out for the win, a team who has never heard a stadium roar got to hear a pretty good one. That's baseball. That is an outstanding story. And, again, I hope every word is true. That's the thing. We always talk about all the things in life that are such, you know, know, factors of division, you know, whether it be politics or religion or, you know, other things. I mean, there's a lot of things that we're born with that we don't even get to choose, that some people use to divide us with. And so college baseball is a little different. You know, college basketball sometimes, very you know, it's very frenetic. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things, you know, it's difficult to relax and enjoy the game. Football, in some respects, is like that, even though it's a much longer game and there's a little pause every now and again. But you know, in football, it's like we all hate each other. College baseball is different. It's more conversational. It's more of a laid-back game. A lot of times the fans are a more laid-back. But these two stories, I think, are indicative of what college baseball fans are about and should be about. It's about each other. And listen, I want, to, I want Mississippi State to beat every team that comes in to do Normal Field. And I want us to beat every team that we visit. I want us to win every game, every time, every time out decisively. Doesn't always work that way, though. But, you know, maybe just being a college baseball parent at one time myself, maybe I've got a different appreciation for that. And I, think, I, don't, I don't think that it's germane to that. I don't think you have to have that to appreciate the fact that, you know, college baseball is different. And there's so many friends that the only time I see them is in the lounge. You know, like all year long it's like you get busy and that sort of stuff, and then you, you want to get together, you want to connect. It doesn't work out. And sometimes I think I, I live an impossible schedule. So I went out there today and hung out with Johnny and those guys. As a matter of fact, I've been there, you know, at least one game for three days now. And it reminds me of how great we are as college baseball people and especially Mississippi State people. One of my best friends in the world came and uh, spent uh, part of the day with me on, on uh, Saturday. He hadn't been to the new dude yet. He came up. I hooked him up with some of my friends in the lounge and said, listen, I've got to go cover the ball game. Y'all take care of him. So he texts me on the road home and says, hey, listen, I'll be back next year, but I'm buying season tickets. That's the kind of thing we are, man. What we have is great. What we have is special. We are part of a very unique fraternity as college baseball folks. and so I don't think we should ever take that for granted. So I wanted to share those things because I think it is so easy to get caught up in all of the clickbait nonsense, and there's always people sensationalizing sports stories to make it look like things are worse than they really are. We're ready to celebrate the goodness around us. And that's what I wanted to do today. All right, let's jump into the show. Brought to you by the fine folks at Bulldog Burger Company. Then Bulldog Burger Company is off and running there in Ridgeland. I've got so many great reports, and people said, so, You know what, Steve, we went in and it's great. Just as good as it was in Starville and Tupelo. Consistency incredibly, incredibly good. They're going to be open uh, for lunch and dinner this week. I understand last week it was dinner only. They're going to do both meals and then, you know, for the duration. That's how it's going to be, lunch and dinner. So, it's now a full-service place, right? So, you're on University Drive here in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And then, of course, Lake Harbor Drive there in Ridgway. Really happy for you folks in uh, central Mississippi to get a chance to go. And I've had people said, hey, Lee, Steve, I rode by there, and they, they were absolutely rocking. That's great to hear because i think sometimes bulldog burger company is, is a treat for you guys you know maybe you get to go once twice a year now you've got it right there in your backyard you can go whenever you want to you can go once a week go every day if you want to you got a bulldog burger company of your own really really happy for you guys and go by there and stop and see ian ian's my buddy ian few is a the manager there at Ridgeland. let him know that i sent you tell him that i said hey hey steve robertson told me to come by here and tell you hello That'll mean a lot to him. We're very good friends, and uh, he is a great guy who'll do a great job for all you guys down there. Did a great job here in Starkville. Go by, have the spring rolls, and uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, the spring, speaking of the spring rolls, I had a guy from Brookhaven that stopped me this weekend and uh, showed me a picture, and uh, he had a special needs kid, and I wish I could remember his name. I really do. I apologize. And he showed me a picture we took together during the Starkville Starkvilleans book tour, and um, said that he uh, he loves the show. And then they went to Bulldog Burger Company, and he just devoured the spring rolls. Uh, So, young man, again, I apologize for not remembering your name. I I talked to a lot of people this weekend. But thank you so much for listening to the show. And thanks for being a fan of Bulldog Burger Company. Everybody should be. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So we're going to start talking about our regional, and then we'll spend some time talking about other regionals and kind of how things look around the country, as you guys are aware there has been one national seed eliminated from competition. That's TCU. They were, yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those things too. I go back to. I know the committee has to kind of make decisions based on the body of work, and uh, I just felt that TCU probably came in a little bit too high at six, because of how they ended the season. Yeah, they had a pretty good run there in the Big Twelve tournament, but um, you know, it was three losing weekends in a row, including one to UL Monroe, and now they're out. You know, and so the trend continued. So it goes to show you that that, that late-season swoon was not an anomaly. They were in a lot of trouble. So Mississippi State still playing. Texas Tech is uh, has already won their regional. They're move on. And, again, we'll get more into that later in the show. But I, I want to talk a little bit about our weekend. So we play first against Sanford, and we throw Will Bednar. And for some reason, that was a controversial decision for some people. You know, I kind of had uh, some lead time on that to kind of warm up to that but here's the deal and i I don't say this to be critical of anybody else but you know if we don't throw will bednar we might lose a ball game i know some people said oh you know it doesn't matter who we throw no it matters it's a big stage big crowds big stakes you need to throw some guys that uh, have already had some skin in the game and will bednar does and uh we kind of got uh punch in the mouth early there i mean it's uh it's crazy to think about you know we have the uh the sec tournament and how awful that was and we think you know maybe we're gonna have a little hangover and uh hey you know max penta comes out there and takes the first pitch of the ball game and puts it into the right field bleachers and so i think all of you were thinking oh my gosh our nightmare is coming true we really are bad no we're not bad we're an elite team we're an elite program it's time to embrace that stop having to explain away our success but we get down one nothing but, our, but Bednar battle's right back. Strikeout swinging, we get a foul out outside of third. Then we give up a single, and then uh, a strikeout swinging. And, you know, I don't know if you remember uh, how the box score looked, but uh, Sanford didn't have a, have a whole lot after that first inning. You know, he really didn't. We come out and get that run right back. Rowdy with a double, and Rowdy is having an amazing weekend. He will absolutely make the Hall Regional team. I mean, there's nobody more locked in than Rowdy Jordan. It's so great to see, especially him at the top of the order. And this is, listen, this is closing time for Rowdy. You know, I've read some mock drafts don't even have Rowdy in it. And so he needs to kind of play his way in, or, you know, Rowdy may have a decision to make. You know, who knows? We'd love to have him back, but I know he wants to move on and play some pro ball. And so him having a good postseason is probably. An important part of that, that discussion. Then TA gets a single, and we got, you know, runners on first and third, and uh, you know, TA takes uh still second. Cam James grounds out to third, we get the run home. Cam James having a pretty good weekend himself. So it's a one-one ball game, we get out of that, and then what Bednar comes back, it's a one-two-three inning. I take that back. That's wrong. We have a hit by pitch, we get a strikeout, then we turn a double play. So we faced a minimum there. We get into the bottom of second. This is when State begins to separate a little bit. Cumbas hits an absolute laser to third baseman. He bodies it up, but just can't make a play. People forget how fast Brad Cumbas is. You don't expect a guy that size to get down the line as well as he does. But he did. He he hits an absolute rocket to third. Guy can't field it clean. And he's in there safe. Kellum Clark then singles on an 0-2 pitch. Drives that ball into right field. And then uh, Lane Forsythe, this is, again, we got runners at first and third here, and Forsythe taps it back towards the mound on a 2-0 pitch. Now, granted, we got to get a little better contact on 2-0, but listen, Compass has got to read this a little bit better. You know, a lot of people say, well, it's a call play. Why are we going on contact? You're not just going on contact. You're going on a downward angle. But you've got to make sure it's through. That's twice this year Brad's been, been, you know, been thrown out there at the plate on that, and neither of those have been close. But, um, you know, that's something that's got to get better. So then Rowdy comes up, and, uh, you know, we get a single, and uh, now the bases are loaded. we got a chance to blow this game open. And how many times have we thought that? Okay, we got bases loaded, less than two outs. We, let's just get, give, give me one big hit here. Give me one big hit so I can feel good about life and, and breathe a little bit. We've struggled at times to do that. TA then pops up to the shortstop infield fly, and you're thinking, man, here we go. Here we go again. We load him up, and we can't get the big hit. Well, Cam James works a count, gets a walk, drives in a run. Luke Hancock comes up, singles in the right field, makes it a 4-1 ball game. And I think at that point everybody started feeling better because it felt like Bednar was kind of settling in too. So we're beginning to separate Bednar settling in. I think everybody was enjoying a nice night, of uh, or a nice afternoon of baseball there at Duty Noble. One, two, three inning there for Sanford in the third. We go one, two, three in the third, get to the fourth, uh you get a play-by-play is missing a couple things here but um you end up getting a fly out a fly out and then a case swinging so minimal minimal traffic on the bases through second third and fourth bottom of four state tax on another run it all gets started again rowdy jordan with a one-out double and then he steals third i mean and stole it so beautifully the pitcher never looked at him, and the catcher never even attempted to throw because he had such a running jump there. There was no chance to get him whatsoever. And T.A. grounds out to second, and drives in the run. It's a five-one ball game, and I think at that point people are thinking, you know what, Steve? Maybe we should have thrown somebody different. Maybe we should have saved Bednar for the weekend. I honestly think we. The reason it was the five-one ball game when it was is because Bednar was on the mound. I just think I don't think anybody else is quite ready for that. All right, so. They strike right back. One-one count. Dryer hits a bomb to make it a five-two ball game, and then things get a little interesting from there. We get a ground out to second. We get a fielding error on the pitcher, and it's just one of those things. You know, will just can't quite get there, and, and then tries to scoop it with his glove, flips it out of bounds, and I mean, out of bounds. Flips it into foul territory, and then we give up a double down the line. There's runners to the second, and third. And we're all kind of sweating a little bit, and then Max Pento again comes in as a good job for them has a fly out to right field, and there's a sack fly it's to 5-3 ball game. Well, then we have a walk, and uh, they try to run the double steal. We had actually snuffed it out, and I don't know what Scott Foxhall saw or if he picked it up something in the signals. I don't know if it was a situation that they just said, hey, you know what? It's first and third with two outs. This has been in their tendencies. Let's be prepared for this. Fox runs out there. And then the very next pitch, they try to run that delayed steal where they try to get the second baseman. You also triple SA baseball play. Let's go out there and get in a rundown between first and second. Let the run come home. Well, we don't record the out, but we don't give up the run. And so the damage is kind of mitigated there. So yeah, they have runners at second and third, but we that we haven't allowed them to take a run from us. And then what lo and behold, we get a strikeout swing. So it's a pretty big moment in the ballgame there. I'm not sure they would have caught us, but five four feels a lot different in the middle innings than five three does uh we get a single at the middle we ground into a double play and then DeBruy lines out makes it a five three game and it really felt like perhaps Sanford had a little juice here you know it's like they get the double play they get out of the jam they scored a couple runs last half inning they open up the six with a double down the left field line they're right back to work but then we get a fly out a strike out in the ground out and the inning's over and then you start looking up the scoreboard thinking, you know, how much longer can Bednar go? Well, thankfully, we gave him a little insurance. It probably gave him a little more room to go out there and uh, and, and have some confidence, say, you know what, I've got a bigger lead here. I can kind of focus on uh, challenging hitters. And maybe we don't have to go to the bullpen quite so early. And we didn't. Compass rips a double in the left. They changed pitchers. And uh, this is when things really started getting cool here. Uh, Kellum Clark absolutely murdered a ball to right field, but he was right at the right fielder, and he almost missed it. Compass well, goes to third, and then Forsythe flies out to right. Sack, fly, run score, 6-3. And again, there's the bottom third of your order, providing some length in the lineup. I like this Kellum Clark, Brad Compass thing. I really do. I really, really do and uh, it's worked out you know got a a couple of rallies started with that bottom 30 order and then there's four sides coming through with the productive out to get the run home it's just good team baseball top of seven will still out there and of course with a three-run lead you know if he's feeling good yeah you got you got to stick with that but again there's a lead-off hit and then we force a guy right we get a fielder's choice there and then uh, we get Pinto swinging. I don't think Pinto saw a first fastball the rest of the weekend. And then, again, we, we force a guy there in the middle of infield. We get out of it. So, they kind of waste the uh, leadoff single there. We get into the seventh. And, again, we're, we're starting to get some separation. It's closing time. And that's one of the things about this team that, at times, they've been very good at. You know, when we get into the later innings and it's time to kind of separate, we're, we've been pretty good at having a little killer instinct. Haven't always had it, but at times we've had that. We had it on Friday. So we open up with a leadoff single from Tanner Allen, and Cam James is hit by the pitch. Luke Hancock singles through the right side, drives in a run at 7 3. Tanner lines out to left field. Cam James tags and scores. Now it's an 8 3 ball game. You really feel like it's over at this point. And then uh, Hatcher pinch runs for Hancock. We grind into a double play, third of the night got to do a bit better job with that so we get into the eighth and uh again bednar's back out there excuse me we bring in Preston johnson for will bednar and the very first pitch is a home run from from tichara who is uh he is uh he is a freak of nature man i mean you see that big guy out there and you think this guy's not athletic at all but you know what you group a fastball to him and he will put you on sports center it was i mean listen they barely got over the fence but uh it was quite the welcome. So both of our, our first two pitchers on Friday night, the first pitch they throw ends up being points for the team. Then he gets McManus to strike out, looking, and then gets a, a fly out and a pop up and get out of the inning. So it's an 8-4 ball game uh, with three outs to go for us. You get into bottom of eight. We, we, again, we don't do much here, but it, and we have some opportunities though. You know, Cumbus strikes out swinging, and then Clark doubles down the right field line. So now you got a runner in the scoring position with less than two outs, and you got. Forsythe and Rowdy coming up. Uh, Forsythe strikes out looking on three pitches, and uh, that's been a recurring theme. I'm not going to beat the kid up for that, though, because that's, that's only going to come in time. I mean, it's, it's, it's about pitch selection, and it's about getting ABs, and that's something Gotro uh, is going to fix. And I don't know if you heard, too, but Jay Gotro has uh, removed his name for consideration for the job at Rice. Some would say, well, Steve, I didn't know he was a serious candidate. Well, he's going to be a serious candidate for jobs just like that. Don't know if he's going to take them but uh, that one's officially behind us so rowdy then flies down the very first pitch and uh so we head to the ninth and we don't bring in landon sims i know many of you are thinking you know the very first time that we we have some trouble we should go ahead and bring in sims we bring in stone simmons so Preston johnson goes one inning he's good he can return and pitch Stone Simmons gets in the ninth, does a great job for us. And listen, you know, Stone's going to be around a little while, too. That's a, I, don't, I don't rule Stone Simmons out from being a guy that's a real factor on the weekends next year. So he gets a ground out to first, very first pitch. We get a ground out to first, uh, you know, three pitches later, four pitches later. We do issue a two-out walk, but we get Pinto swinging uh, to end the ball game. So it's an 8-4 ball game, very, very efficient with everything we did. Played pretty well defensively. Um, We did have just, you know, the one error, and that was on Bednar. And that was just kind of one of those wild plays, you know. I just – I don't fault him for that at all, especially as well as he pitched. But uh, State, eight runs on 11 hits, limited them to four, and uh, three of those came on home runs. That's the the thing. When we don't walk people, we don't commit errors and give people extra outs. Listen, getting three outs is part of the game. When you have to get four, that's part of losing the game. We didn't do that. We did a really good job of kind of minimizing that sort of stuff. And so, again, you, you give up a couple long balls, but you kind of knew that coming in. That's why it was so important though Bednar. And I know some still think, like, oh, still we shouldn't have done that. We absolutely should have. We absolutely should. And now he's on schedule to start game one of a super uh, if we can make it to that point. And for those of you wondering, the dates – of the and selections for Supers. You know, of course, if we win, we host, right? We don't really care what happens to everybody else. But there there are some out there, obviously, like the South Florida, South Alabama thing. Either one of those were host sites. So they're going to have to play on a neutral site, which would have to be one of the 16 regional sites, right? Could be right back there in Gainesville. Could be. So, that's all going to be decided Tuesday night. So, if we win this regional, and we certainly expect to, then we will find out Tuesday night, We're playing Notre Dame, who won, but we'll know if it is a Friday-Saturday-Sunday deal or a Saturday-Sunday-Monday deal. So we'll find that out very, very quickly.
0: Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SIN, its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. All
1: right. All right, let's get into game two. And uh, listen, this was one of those big things, too. I was really proud of Christian McLeod for how he handled himself when we had a little adversity. I'm a Christian McLeod fan. I mean, I think there is some greatness in this guy. Now, he's got some things that he's got to figure out, you know, and uh, I think he'll develop a lot more in the minors. But, um, yeah, Christian's an intelligent guy. He understands the game. There are times that I have wondered a little bit about toughness. You know, I don't mean physical toughness. I mean, just mentally. You know, when you don't have your best stuff, can you power through? When you have some adversity, can you bounce back and get your team out of an inning? And all of that was really tested in that ball game on uh, Saturday against VCU. And for those of you who don't remember, VCU beat Campbell 19 to4 on Friday night. And then social media kind of lit up, and some of our fans begin to kind of panic and say, "You know, "Hey, I'm worried about this game." Oh, OK, I understand that. But some of that has, got, has nothing to do with VCU and nothing to do with Mississippi State. It's got a lot to do with you though. And the thing that I pointed out to several people is, like, once things got out of hand for Campbell, they waved the white flag pretty early. Rather than, you know, waste quality arms to try to nurse this game along, again, they were going to lose. They said, you know what, I'm going to throw a freshman here, I'm going to throw a freshman there, I'm going to get some work for some of these guys down in the depth chart so we can manage the game and get through here. And a lot of that, guys, was just center-cut fastballs. And, you know, BCU is a team that can swing the bats pretty well. And they took full advantage. I mean, it hit some absolute jacks. And so I I just thought, you know, that's not how Christian's going to pitch. You know, Christian's not going to go out there and throw center-cut fastball. And you know what? He may leave one up every once in a while. And as way they swing it, they may poke one or two out. We just got to make sure they're solo home runs like we did against Sanford rather than giving them – you know two and three runners an inning and then giving up a big fly but christian did his job and i really thought he showed some toughness some toughness that he hadn't always demonstrated that's big for mississippi state that's really big i mean how i mean how big is it to have you know bednar and uh and mcleod kind of rounding into postseason form right when we need them to be and, and let me just go ahead and share this with you too for those of you that uh Maybe you aren't ready to admit it. Listen, we did not go over to Hoover and bring our best effort. We were not exposed as a baseball team. We just didn't go over there and play well. And the fact that we threw well Bednar in relief in game two should tell you that we were just ready to come home. Now, I don't expect anybody to admit that, but it's pretty apparent at this point to me that those games in Hoover did not mean anything to us in the grand scheme. Well, you know, we could have moved it to another warmer spot. Yeah, maybe we would be the sixth seed, Right. I like exactly where we are, and my hope is that some of these guys have have, uh, have maybe pushed you guys to have a little more faith in them. All right, so let's jump in here into um, you know the game against VCU. Of course, many of you saw my tweet. I had the um, had the opportunity to go to post game, you know, for uh, both of those ball games, and I always try to put out you know kind of what the teams had to say about us. I'll do that when they get done with the show. You can read what Campbell had to say over on Gene's page about Mississippi State. But, um, you know, Vay, the catcher for VCU, he said, hey, Mississippi State's a good team. They better – we've won 22 in a row. They better come out ready to play. And many of you have kind of jumped on that. You know, he said it. I even had some people said, Steve, why would you share that? Well, he said it. He said it on video. It wasn't like some private conversation where he's like, hey, man, between me and you. No, he says it in a public forum. There's no responsibility that I have in that matter. He said, I asked the question, he said, I said, what do you think of Mississippi State as a program? What do you think about them as a ball club? Well, I think they're a great team, but they better bring it. That's what he said, basically. So, you know, don't, don't be upset with me. Be upset with him. He said it. And I don't have a problem with him saying it. They had one twenty two in a row. They had just beaten a team 19 of four in an NCAA regional. I'd be feeling my oats a little bit, too. Now, all of a sudden, I get a chance to play the host school, and they didn't look you know, very impressive against Sanford. They looked good enough to win, but I didn't see anything from Mississippi State against Sanford. It scared me. I'm sure that's how he felt. I got no problem with him saying it. But you got to go back it up. It's like uh, Jenny Lane wrote once. Big talk is just talk, unless you're backing it up. All right, so we get into the first there, and, we, and this is where I got a little bit worried about Christian because it seemed like we were getting behind hitters. We're having big counts early. You know, we we walked the very first hitter, and we get a strikeout looking, strikeout looking, strikeout looking. So it's like we, we pitch around it, and you could tell he had pretty good stuff. I don't know that he had full command of the fastball early, but the breaking ball looked to be pretty good, and he was able to spot his change up a little bit too. So we get in the bottom of one, and we give him some room to operate. Rowdy with an infield hit, T.A. strikes out, and then Cam James, double. Runners in second, third, now less than two outs, and you feel like, you know what, at the very least we'll get a run home here. And then Hancock grounds out, we get a run home, one nothing. Logan Tanner then rips a single in the left field, makes it a 2 nothing ball game. So now, again, we're off and running. Again, we had a chance to kind of blow that thing open a little bit more there in the first. But you know what, if you're going to get two runs in the first, I think you feel pretty good about life. We give up a leadoff Jack in the second. It's almost like I began to think, you know what, sometimes we just can't stand prosperity. You know, it's like we we give up, we get two, and we give a run right back. So, 2-1, but then Christian really settles down. Ground out the second, K, K, we're done. Give up to one tank, and you know what, when I got a lead, when I got two or three run lead, I want my, my pitcher challenging the hitters anyway so we get bottom of second we get our run right back we do get a ground out and we get a strikeout swing swinging but then rowdy again there's mr postseason there's mr june rowdy jordan with a double to right then ta singles through the left side rowdy scores he's a 3-1 ball game top of third and this is when this is when christian began i really believe really began to show some some real serious mental toughness I think it's. I think it was a beautiful thing to see. It was very painful in the beginning, for all of us. So he starts the inning with nine straight balls, and and so there's two walks right there. You walk Brown. You like you walk Carpenter. Uh, so you walk the nine hole hitter and leadoff guy. So you got the heart of the order coming up, and Christian McLeod says, "Okay, cool, I got you." So after throwing nine straight, <laughs> he gets Locklear. Swinging on a 2-2 pitch. He gets Hibbets swinging on three pitches. He gets Henson swinging on four pitches. It was a comeback I don't know that we'll see very often because those nine pitches that started the inning, many of them were non-competitive. There were a couple that went to the screen or, or should have gone to the screen. There were some pitches that were so or lacks a competitive edge to them. There's nobody going to swing at those pitches. And so, the fact that he could dial it back in and then get out of that thing without even giving up a run, it's insane to think about. And from there, he was really in good shape for a while. We probably left him in a hit or too long. But I don't have a big you know, quarrel with that. We'll get to that a little bit later. State doesn't tack on here. We, uh, we get a leadoff walk into double play and ground out. So we, we give you know, them the minimum in the third. Christian comes right back out, one, two, three, inning there in the fourth really did a nice job. Bottom of four, State begins to get some separation here. This is when we start feeling good about life. Brad Compass hits the first pitch, the bottom of four, into the left field lounge. It was an absolute tank. And then Clark gets a head 1-0 and hits an absolute Ruthian, Dave Kingman-quality blast out the right field. They brought in Griffin in place of Mason Delane. So the first three pitches he threw, two of them were home runs size grounds out to short. Hit the ball really well, though. Really barreled it up there. Just actually just hit it to the shortstop. Simple as that. Rowdy then gets a walk, and then T.A. doubles. Now you got runners in second throw. we got a chance again. Big hit to kind of put the game away. Had him on the ropes here. Cam strikes out swinging, and then uh, Luke flies out to right center. But uh, not going to hate on Cam. Again, he's having a good weekend, and uh, we got more to talk say about him a little bit later the to show. Uh, top of five. Cam comes back out, immediately gets two outs. Again, very efficient on 2-0 count, 0-2 count, you know, he he's not wasting pitches here. Carpenter singles back up the middle and then we get Locklear swinging. So, we're absolutely cruising along here now. You know, we we had that one little uh hiccup there in the third, but now it's back to back innings where it really felt like Christian was in in kind of in cruise control. So, we can lead-off walk in the 5th. De Brule then gets a, uh infield hit. It was a ball hit out in the outfield grass, and they were kind of shifted over that way, and the guy just couldn't make a play. Uh, Scotty's going to be safe anyway. He throws it, which allows uh, everybody to move up. And then they hit Cumbus by the pitch. And so now bases are loaded, nobody outs, and uh, Kellen Clark comes up, and then he walks, makes it a 6-1 ball game. They go ahead and make a change, and then foresight the uh, infield fly out to the second baseman. Um and so, you know, on that Clark walk, of course, it's a 6-1 ball game, but, again, a big hit here, and it really changes the, the landscape of this game. And we didn't get it. You know, it's like we did a little bit later in the ball game, but this felt like a real crucial time. And, yeah, we're ahead, and our pitcher's throwing really well, but, you know, at some point we're going to have to pull him. And you can never score enough runs on an NCAA regional. You just can't. So, we get into the sixth, and um, so they get a leadoff single. And then we get a K, we get a fly out, and then there's another single. And uh, this is when, you know, Christian's well over 100 pitches. You know, I don't know if you bring him back out for the six, but I want to back up just a little bit here. You give up the leadoff single. A lot of people are thinking, you know what, let's give him one hitter. He gets a full count. And then uh, he doesn't give in, but can't finish the guy. So there is, a, you know, the single. But then we get the K on three pitches, and then we get that fly out. So it's it's that's the guy to hit the home run, too. It's uh, Schroeder. So there's two outs in the inning. So we're one pitch away from getting out of this thing. And so then we give up the single uh, to Vay. This is when I would have got him right here because he got deep in the count, couldn't finish him, and uh, gives up a run there, makes it a 6-2 ball game. That's when I, w- I would have got him. And, of course, it's a gift of hindsight because, you know, if he gets a pop-up uh, instead of a home run here, it's a 6-2 ball game. But instead, there is a home run, and it was an absolute shot in the left. That made it 6-4. We bring in Brandon Smith, and he you know he gives up a double, but then we get a K to get out of it. But, yeah, I mean, we, cannot, we with the gift of hindsight, we can say, yeah, he stayed in the hitter too long. Maybe two, you know, but the bottom line is we were able to overcome that. Uh, I know we're trying to preserve the bullpen there, but, yeah, I probably would have got him a little sooner. But, uh, again, in the moment, you know, I don't know if I'm feeling that. All right, bottom of six. We uh, basically end the ball game right here. know, we needed a big hit, we got several. 6-4 to start this half inning, and when it was over with, the game was decided. So Cam James opens with a single back up the box. Hancock then walks. Logan Tanner walks to load the bases. So we're back in this situation again. You know, a couple of times we've walked in a run, but we haven't been able to get that knockout punch. De Bruyne singles to right field, drives in a run. Bases loaded again. Combus hit by the pitch, drives in a run, 8-4. Clark reaches on a fielding error, run scores, base load again, 9-4. Uh, Forsyth strikes out swinging, 2-2. Two, two, and then Rowdy Jordan singles, driving in two runs. There's your big hit. That, that's, that's the one, 11-4. And Rowdy takes second on a wild pitch. T.A., singles in the left. Two more runs score. Now it's 13-4. Then Cam James hits a bomb into left center for two more, and we bat around in the inning and remove all doubt about who was there to play. There was, it, We could have pulled a student out of the stands and pitched the rest of this ball game. VCU, for all intents and purposes, they were done. Uh, we get a one, two, three inning from Brandon Smith. Uh, that's not correct. Again, I apologize for that. We get a ground out, we give up a single, we roll a double play. And that's kind of Brandon Smith's game. You know, he's our sinker ball pitcher, gets great sink on the fastball. And so it makes sense sometimes to come in and bring him in with some inherited runners because he can roll up ground balls for you. He does in this situation here. And so we had to bottom of seven. Uh, not much happens for us. You know, we get a ground out, a fly out, and a ground out to first. And, again, that's, the, uh, that's you know, kind of the, the tail end of your order there. Uh, we get to the eighth, and it just seemed like that, uh, you know, it was just a matter of kind of getting the game over. And I was just hoping we could get through it without having to burn another arm. And so, Henson grounds out to third. Cam is on it immediately. Great play there. Schroeder singles up the middle. Wild pitch, a walk, and you think, oh, let's just get out of here, right? And uh, so, we give him a fly out to get the second out, and when then we get a strikeout swinging to end the eighth. And it did seem like Brandon was tiring just a little bit, starting to give a little more contact. But, again, we don't have to go to Landon Sims, right? Uh Bottom eight. Forsythe flies out of center, actually hit it pretty well. Rowdy Jordan pops up to second. T.A. walks and, and then uh, comes around, <laughs> still second. And uh, there's a wild pitch, allows him to go to third, and then he comes in and scores on another wild pitch. And uh, so, 16-4 ball game. and we bring in Parker Stinnett. And I was happy to see this because he's a guy that needed some work, but also too. You know, it's 16-4, so let's not go throw a guy that we necessarily have to throw in a regional final. Let's go ahead and let him get some work, but also, too, kind of preserve some other arms. And so he goes out there and is absolutely an electric factory. Gets, uh, gets Brown to strike out swinging, gets Carpenter to strike out swinging, and Ryan to strike out swinging. So he strikes out the side of the ninth. The game is over. Mississippi State's now in a winner's bracket. It set up a loser's bracket match between VCU and uh, Campbell you know a rematch so really happy with the effort and I think when you go back and look at these numbers you, you'll see you know what we we played real efficiently in this ball game too 16 runs on 14 hits zero errors and then when we had them on the ropes, we finally knock them out a couple times you know we had a glancing blow here or there but you finally land the uppercut and uh, get in that bullpen and really kind of expose them Uh, you know, for lack of depth out there of arms. But listen, VCU's a good squad. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from them, uh, you know, or Sanford. You know, and Sanford obviously played really well down the stretch. You know, VCU wins the Atlantic 10. You know, they were 16 and 14, and they go on a 22-game winning streak. It's incredible. They leave town now on a two-game losing streak. But uh, I, I got nothing but respect for those guys as players, man. They swing it really hard. They're always looking for the big inning. They just don't have enough pitching. So we knock off Sanford, we knock off VCU. Now we'll get a chance to play uh, Campbell, and we're going to preview that a little bit later in the show. Uh, But, again, I think you take a full inventory here and you feel good about where you are. And I had hoped that we'd be able to play on Sunday and wipe this thing out and be done with it and start resting and getting ready for next weekend. But, uh, you know, we don't have travel if we win. So, you know, it's just one of those things you look at. You'd like to have it done just to get that extra day of rest. But we get a day of rest today. It's not like we were around the ballpark all day, you know, waiting on the meteorology reports to come in, that kind of stuff. And so we knew pretty early on we could just kind of crash, right? we just kind of chill, watch college baseball all day, uh, and then get into bed and be ready to go play tomorrow. Unlike Campbell, you know, Campbell gets done around 1130 tonight, and then uh, they got to get home, have some food at the hotel, and get a shower, uh, check your phone, see what all you missed on Twitter, and then get into bed, they got to be back up there at 8.30. You know, right back up there at 8.30 get ready to roll. And so, it's going to be a short night for them. It's going to be a short night for me, too, but uh, I'm not playing ball tomorrow. You know, I can go sit there and drink coffee on one if I want to. But that's a very difficult stretch because you're going to have a well-rested team that you have to be twice. And you had to go win an emotional ball game and get done around midnight, and then have to be right back up, you know, bright and early. And you say, "Well, you know, they're college kids." Yeah, it's, these are high pressure situations, man. This isn't like, oh, well, you know, they, they you know, they're used to sleeping four and five nights, or hours a night. It's not that simple. I mean, their their season is on the line. They woke up this morning thinking, you know what? If we go lose this ball game, this thing is over with. And now they get another shot. But it, there was a ball game tonight the too. They were down. I mean, listen, they were. They got, they gave up a four spot. They come back and put up a five spot to go ahead. Next thing you know, man, it's like you know, it's a 10-5 ball game. Or 10-7 ball game, excuse me, in favor of VCU. Then you rally back. You put up runs. I mean, so this is a team that scores runs in bunches. But uh, they really don't have any pitching left. And, again, we'll, we'll preview them a little bit later. But, uh, listen, it's been a good weekend. It has been. Let's get to the top ten list today. How about that? Brought to you by the fine folks at johnnypacker.com johnnypacker.com you're looking for sunglasses look no further than johnnypacker.com i've told you guys before i like doing business with bulldogs whenever possible john and brandon bulldogs absolute bulldogs now listen go to the website and chances are when you get there it's going to say sold out but it's not really sold out it's just difficult because the fact that you guys have been ordering some sunglasses sometimes you're faster than the inventory can update so if you see frames that you like, and those frames are named after Mississippi towns, then just send them an email. There's a contact us link there. You can send it to them, and they can get those glasses to you right away. Because sometimes, you know, when you've got people involved, and in, uh, I've got a little side hustle here, sometimes it's difficult to get things updated in timely fashion. But don't let that deter you and say, you know what? I really wanted those Greenville frames, but they show sure sold out. Doesn't matter. They can get them for you. And we'll save you a little money too by being a loyal Boneyard listener. Use promo code Boneyard. They'll save you 10% on your purchase. How about that? JohnnyPacker.com, promo code Boneyard. Save 10% on your new sunglasses, and you guys are aware cystic fibrosis is a very big part of Johnny Packer's life. So, a portion of every purchase goes directly to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. It's a donation. Now, you guys are happy about that. It's a really cool thing. So, you're getting a great pair of glasses at a good price from great guys and part of your money goes to a great cause okay today's top 10 list Jimi Hendrix one of the best to ever do it bought a right handed fender strap strung it upside down played it left handed incredible one of those guys that changed the direction of music changed the direction of guitar playing did some things with a guitar nobody had ever done before and we talked about him in our Evolution of Rock series we did here a couple weeks ago jimmy hendrix absolutely one of the best to ever play the guitar and just really was part of that entire you know trippy 1960s movement when music was really evolving in a different direction at his heart jimmy hendrix is a blues player and singer and i love all these tracks man i do that not there's not a song on this list i say, well you know maybe not no not this one man not this one i really got into hendrix when i was in college you know, you'd heard it all. You know, as a kid, you hear it on classic radio, that sort of stuff. You hear your parents play that sort of stuff. But I really got into Jimi Hendrix when I was in college and um, found a, a love for his music, man. That I, I just, I can't really explain. You know, and it's one of those things too. Maybe there's all this, uh you know, the the, the mystery of Jimi Hendrix. You know, and the, the way he was, the way he died, way too soon just so many things that happened in his life too it's almost like it was just kind of predestined he would be here a short time but here are my top 10 my top 10 favorite Jimi hendrix song i i would suspect my number one track is not yours i'll i share with you guys this too gene Swendall. gene's page gene his favorite Jimi hendrix song is i hear my train of coming which is a great one but it's not on my list it would be number one on Jean's list. It's not number one on mine. So there's a little Jean's page shout out for you there too. All right, here's my top ten Hendrix songs. You can hear my trusty paper out there. Number ten, which in many respects I think was really one of the first rap songs. I don't know if this song ever really gets truly appreciated by this generation. It is a banger called Crosstown Traffic. If you go back and listen to that and listen to the way they mic'd up the drums and and how the rhythm section works there, it sounds like the basic bones of a rap song. And Jimmy's vocal delivery on that kind of lends credence to that thought. So, Crosstown Traffic, an absolute great tune, man. Number nine, this is one, too, I thought, Jimmy, the guitar playing on this one is probably underappreciated. Everybody knows many of the uh, the bigger hits, but uh, Manic Depression... I love the way this song opens and closes. I think Jimmy does a great job uh, putting this thing together. And uh, again, it's a it's a personal track for him. It really is. Number eight. This is one of the more trippy songs on the list. It's if six was nine. Love this one. Love how it opens up. Uh, you just feel like you're going on a trip. I mean, it really does. It's one of those. It really fit the psychedelic movement. Number seven is the wind cries Mary. I love the guitar on this one, too. And it's not, that's the thing about Jimmy, too, is like so much of his genius is enjoyed in the soloing and, you know, the things he did with the guitar, the ch- the sounds that he made, the things that perhaps nobody else ever done. I think Jimmy was also an incredible rhythm player. I mean, just putting songs together composition-wise, you know, forget all of the other stuff. Forget all the soloing and things like that. I mean, just the way he would put a song together, it's just a beautiful thing, man. And I think that truly really shown the one Cries Married. going back to the blues, man. Number six, and this is uh this should be a blues standard, to be honest with you. But it's Red House. And uh, and I've had other people think that this was a cover. It wasn't. This was written by Jimi Hendrix back in '66. It's an original song scored and written and sung by Jimi Hendrix. And uh it, but it sounds like something from a different era. It does. It sounds like the Delta Blues. Uh, and I thought Jimmy is phenomenal. And I think he was probably underappreciated as a blues player. I think a lot of people look at this and say, well, you know, he you know he did all this stuff with the Star Spangled Banner and that sort of stuff, and that's all legendary. But I think the blues is what was really in Jimmy's heart, and I think that really came through uh, in his music. And I, I think his blues standards are really some of the better tracks in his catalog. Number five, and I, I, I'm almost – I'm, I'm, I'm probably a little bit guilty of having this one a little bit low. I know many of you maybe even have this number one. But you know, it's my show, and i got to speak from the heart here and uh, and tell you exactly how I feel about this. But uh, Purple Haze is number five for me. And, and one of the reasons why I think it's a little bit overplayed, I, I, I think it's not that I hate the song, but I think it's one of those things. I, I just don't like it as much as some others. And maybe it's because I've had a little fatigue with it. But Purple Haze is one of those incredible songs that as soon as you hear it, you're not mistaking it for anybody else. You don't need a few seconds to figure out, hey, is this Hendrix? No, it's absolutely Hendrix. Number four, another blues one, and uh, my favorite blues song in the catalog. And I think one of the reasons why is because I, I can, to me, I can hear some pain in Jimmy's voice here, and it's, hey, Joe. And it makes me wonder if this song isn't autobiographical. It it makes me wonder if maybe perhaps that um, there is a personal connection with this, even if it's not autobiographical, if there's not somebody in his life that has been Joe. I think there is some vulnerability in his delivery vocally that really makes him come across as somebody that uh, is not performing a song, but it's perhaps opening his heart to us. Uh, Number three, and it's the greatest moment in the Wayne World Wayne's World movie right it's uh it's foxy lady i absolutely love this song and i loved i love the bouncing rhythm of the guitar you know it's like it's it's kind of unlike anything else on the catalog but i i dig it and every time it comes on i have to do the uh the fox ears like garth did in Wayne's World love that song before and i think Wayne's World made it even uh more lovable for me number 2 and um Many of you were exposed to this because of Hollywood Hogan with the NWO in wrestling. Many of you were exposed to this because perhaps you thought it was an original song by Stevie Ray Vaughan, but it's not. It's Voodoo Child, and it's one of those things too when you hear that opening riff, you hear how Jimmy just kind of comes in just absolutely banging the walls here. You know exactly who you're listening to. It, to me it is one of the classic rock songs of all time it is not just a great jimmy hendrix song it is a song that's great not just for this genre or for this decade it is one of the best songs ever recorded that's voodoo child but number one for me if you ever if you ask like if i was ever to put a list together you know like what songs just really typify rock and roll what's a real rock song i mean forget lyrical content just what's a hard-driving song that you get in and you just you can't help but turn it up and then put your foot on the gas? And it's fire. Let me stand next to your fire. And I love the percussion on this. It is just one of those songs, man, you look back and say, man, this thing is just absolutely perfect. So that's my list. And uh, listen, I want to thank Randy for reaching out and asking me. I thought we had done Hendrix. And I think it's because Hendrix has been on some other lists, you know, but this is one of those that um you know i was really excited to do randy Proust, randy has been with me before randy has uh listen randy has shared some great ones with us he is uh he we we interact a lot uh you know we talk he will send me some ideas has asked for several lists and uh so randy i appreciate you very much i uh, kind of jumping in here with this um He was one of the first to recommend Shine Down and Corn Seven Dust, many others. But uh, we went a little deeper this time, didn't we, Randy? We Went all the way back to the the great 1960s and one of the greatest guitar players in the history of the world, Mr. Jimi Hendrix. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. We'll look around the rest of the uh, the tournament. You know, it's exciting. And listen, it's been uh, the end of the road for some SEC guys, right? And I had somebody come up to me at Dirty Noble Field and said, hey, we just went and bought our regional shirts from the lovely, talented Susie. And she got really tickled by that. And then a little bit later, I ran into somebody else and said, hey, I just got back from Campus Book Mart, and I got to meet Susie. And you're right, she is lovely. You know what? That's the thing. I won't mislead you or tell you things that are untrue. Go by and see Stan and Man, Miss Kathy Brown, and the lovely, talented Susie. That's the headliner right there. Go by and see them. Get your regional shirts. You can go by there and get them today. And you know what? Hopefully you'll have some super regional shirts to buy too. And, that's Mom, that saves you a little shopping, right? Because the kids want the regional shirt and a super regional shirt, and hopefully we'll be able to get some Omaha shirts. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. But whatever you need Mississippi State related, you can find it at CampusBookMart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. And that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That's right. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, let's look around the tournament, okay? There's, some, there, there's been some surprising results. All right, let's start at the top, the top quadrant, Arkansas, number one seed. They get beat tonight. Nebraska takes them down. So there will be a winner-take-all game tomorrow. So NJIT and Northeastern both eliminated. Nebraska and Arkansas will play a winner take all regional final. The winner of that game will move on to super regional uh, to play NC State. NC State wins the Louisiana Tech regional. Tech made it interesting. They eliminated Alabama today. And uh <laughs> an incredible ballgame. If you if you watch it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Tech and Alabama back and forth, back and forth, goes down to the very end. Alabama has a winning run at the plate, and a guy hits an absolute bomb to right. The wind knocks it down. Tech catches it. It's over, but uh, they get beat uh, in the regional finals. So, again, NC State moving on to a super regional to await Arkansas or Nebraska. Moving down to Stanford there. Stanford, uh, they're in a winner-take-all game against UC Irvine. I am an Anteaters fan. Would love for them to win that game because I love the fact that there are an Anteaters in college baseball. North Dakota State and Nevada both eliminated. Not surprising at all. Everybody expected this thing to boil down to Stanford and UC Irvine. Now it's just a matter of who can get it together. Stanford has struggled with Game 3 pitching like many of us this year. So this will be a very entertaining ball game. The winner of that will move on to play Texas Tech, who swept through their regional. Uh, people expected that UCLA, including myself, UCLA would give them more of a challenge. They did not. Texas Tech goes in, no losses. Uh, they won their regional in three games. So congratulations to Coach Timmy Tadlock and the Red Raiders. All right, Arizona sweeps through their their bracket as well. That eliminates Grand Canyon, Oklahoma State, and you uh, see Santa Barbara again that's the hipster there's so many people to get so hyped up with these mid-majors out west and none of these teams ever do much uh, so Arizona goes right on through their Oklahoma State a lot of people thought they would go in there and give uh, the Wildcats some trouble some even picked Oklahoma State to win it I uh <laughs> I have learned the hard way like you guys have Arizona because of that coaching staff that they're always going to be hard and ready for the postseason. So. Arizona sweeps through there. They will await the winner of the Oxford Regional. I know many of you have kind of kept up with this very, very closely. You know, the Ole Miss people have cried. Um, you know, it's, it's incredible the, the way these people have cried. And uh, it looks like they're not crying in vain because they're in trouble. So Florida State loses to Southern Miss in an elimination game. Southern Miss comes back, beats Ole Miss in a nightcap. I think I read some numbers earlier. This is like their 12th doubleheader this year, something because of the, the anomaly in their schedule playing those four-game weekends. So they beat Ole Miss, and uh, Ole Miss out of pitching. I don't know what Southern's got left, but uh, that Monday game between Ole Miss and Southern could be a Church League softball game. Gun it should be a lot of runs scored there. You know, but sometimes you find somebody, man, this time of year, you run into a pitcher that's, you know, having the game of his life and, This career-making deal, but uh, Ole Miss fans not happy in the least. They were all worried about Florida State and it's Southern Miss that beats them. So that will be a winner-take-all game on Monday. East Carolina sweeps through their regional. They take care of Norfolk State and Charlotte and Maryland. I really thought Charlotte would make more of a, a game here. They didn't. ECU goes right on through. They will now play Vanderbilt in a super regional vanderbilt in big trouble tonight georgia tech led most of the ball game they get into extras georgia tech was up 8-7 late and i guess in the eighth uh vandy hits a solo bomb to tie it they get into the 11th three two count grand slam grand slam so vandy wins their regional in just three games and will play east carolina that's the left side of the bracket Coming to our side, which is the best side, uh, Texas sweeps through theirs. And listen, I'm glad that Fairfield got a win out there. You know, listen, Fairfield, especially those seniors, man, those guys have put together an amazing season, and I'm sure they felt disrespected all year because everybody in the college baseball media were like, hey, this is just an anomaly, and these guys don't deserve it. And maybe there's some truth in all that. But in many respects, they've been kind of discounted and disrespected. So I'm glad they were able to go win a game. Uh, Texas does sweep through there and kind of sitting around waiting for some craziness uh, to find them in the super. An absolute bloodbath down in Gainesville. Oh, my gosh. You know, what a mess down there with Florida. Florida preseason number one, first team eliminated from their regional, 0-2. Miami, the team that went up to and swept Florida to open that new ballpark, also eliminated. So, South Florida is in the winner's bracket. And South Alabama, who absolutely destroyed Florida, was it 19-1 to was the final? It's almost like uh, Siloita just didn't care anymore. Uh, They got to beat South Florida twice. So, the Jags have fought. And what a great run for South Alabama to eliminate both Florida and Miami, right? Put a poster on the wall, baby. I mean, that's listen, even if you don't advance, man, what a great weekend for those guys got a couple of helmet sticker wins over florida and miami so good on you jags but who knew man south florida one of the last teams in the field uh, south florida in the driver's seat to get to a super regional in austin texas how about it bulls all right so notre dame sweeps through theirs and listen very impressive and and i'm still not a huge notre dame fan but i will say this I, i am impressed that they scored as much as they did i really thought that uh, Michigan would give them a little more trouble. And, yes, Michigan was the last team in the field. Uh, no, no magic this year for the Maize and Blue as there was in 2019. Uh, UConn, of course, uh, wins a game or two up there. Uh, gives, wins a game, excuse me. And then Central Michigan eliminates them. Notre Dame, just too much for Central Michigan. And I've read people say, well, you know, Notre Dame got snubbed. They didn't get snubbed. They didn't get snubbed. And uh, I look forward to them coming down here. I hope that we uh, will be able to play those guys uh, next weekend. I'm eager to see what we do in a best two out of three against Notre Dame. I can promise you Notre Dame is not a better team uh, than the top half of the teams in the SEC. I, I can guarantee you that. Mississippi State, of course, uh, Sanford's eliminated, BCU's eliminated, we'll, we'll play Campbell. And uh, let me get through the bracket and we'll go back and I'll tell you a few things I learned about Campbell by hanging out with their players. Because there is no link that I will go for you guys, the Boneyard listener. TCU, the first national seed eliminated, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the sixth seed now out of the tournament, Oregon State doing the honors there. Oregon State, Dallas Baptist, played the first game of the regional final, and uh, Oregon State wins that. So now it's a winner take all between Dallas Baptist and Oregon State. McNeese uh, also eliminated earlier in the weekend. Dallas Baptist was in the driver's seat with two wins in a winner's bracket. Oregon State battles back. So <clears throat> strike up the Beeves repping the Pac-12. Uh, they could be in a Super Regional, which they also would be seeing some, kind of, some chaos in many respects because of the fact that uh, Old Dominion appears to be uh, fading a little bit. The regional down in Columbia, South Carolina's eliminated. Kind of a heartbreaking deal, man. They uh, had things rolling in control, hit a line drive back at the pitcher. He knocks it down, they turn double play, and it seemed like the game turned on that that sequence. Virginia eliminates South Carolina and then comes back and beats Old Dominion. So those two will play in a winner-take-all game on Monday. It's not just us. There's going to be a lot of college baseball played on Monday, Right. Uh, Out in Eugene, Oregon, Oregon being pushed to the brink by the LSU Tigers. I know many people said, you know what, I I don't think LSU deserves to be in. Listen, LSU could be in a super regional here in about 24 hours. It's It's crazy to think about. Gonzaga, in the conversation to host, they were eliminated. Central Connecticut, they're eliminated. So it's down to Oregon and LSU. LSU wins game one of a regional final to force that winner take all tomorrow. Awfully, awfully interesting. Tennessee sweeps theirs without any trouble. And I know so many people were forecasting Duke to go in and give Tennessee some trouble. I thought maybe they'd get a game. I didn't think they could win the regional like some other people did. But Wright State, Wright State will have to live with heartbreak for a long time. Wright State ready to get that thing knocked out, Uh, hits with a three-run bomb and take the lead, and then give up a grand slam, a walk-off grand slam to lose and it's incredible i mean it really is and you hate it for those guys man you hate them you're on the road national seed you got a chance to get a big w They didn't get it done liberty ends up being the uh the regional final team along with tennessee so so again we have um only one super regional set and that's vandy and east carolina everybody else still awaiting their competition Uh, and then of course there are a handful that, uh, you know, regions still left to be filled out. So, I'm going to be a busy Monday, to say the least. So, if you can't watch, you need to find a way to get your phone, you know, kind of positioned somewhere in the office so you can kind of keep up with what's going on. It's going to be a crazy day in college baseball. I hope the craziness stays away from Starkville. A lot of worry about rain. But it, you know, there were, people were expecting it to rain all day on Sunday. It did not. Matter of fact, it was poured this morning. But then we had some um, it was some sprinkles, I guess, most of the day. And by the time we got to the ballpark, that had all dissipated. And then we were told that we weren't expecting more rain to around two this morning. And um, that kind of held true. And now we're not getting that rain at two this morning now it appears it's just supposed to be cloudy throughout the early morning hours and now the rain's been pushed back to around nine but uh, again rain in the forecast throughout the day on monday but we have a great meteorology department here in mississippi state and hopefully we're only playing one game right hopefully the hope is we're going to play one game not two so i don't know what we'll wake up to in the morning you know the game is scheduled to go at 11 uh, a lot of people involved in that th- decision-making process, but, uh, you know, we'll see. I, just, I don't know how you, you can move the game up after the fact that Campbell, you know, played so late into the night. Uh, you know, there is a student safety issue involved there. And so many of people have wondered what happens if we can't get the regional final play. Well, if that happens, Mississippi State advances. It's as simple as that. And, well, why, Steve? Well, Mississippi State, number one, is not only the highest seed. Mississippi State is the undefeated team in the regional so the highest undefeated team advances with this number of games so the only way mississippi state is not going is if campbell beats mississippi state twice and I, you know again you have to have it wrapped up by tuesday because the selections for the supers are on tuesday when i mean the selections i mean they, they got to finalize locations for ones that perhaps are going to use a neutral site but also too, you know to figure out who's going to play when so Let's take a look at Campbell real quickly here before we get into some recruiting stuff and get out the door. Uh, Campbell doesn't have much pitching left, but due to some insider information, I have some uh, some ideas for you. It is not going to be one of those games that is pitched like normal. It is probably in many respects going to be pitched like a midweek game, as a Johnny Holstaff deal, right? So, looking at some of these numbers here, and I'm going to go off some of the things that I was told so looking at the uh you know the pitchers, there were a couple guys they said hey this guy could probably throw this guy could probably throw you had um going back to friday was not a good day for uh, campbell pitching and uh know, yeah, they, they jump on them early and the next thing you know they're off to the races and then to their credit you know their coach kind of had a decision to make it's like you know we we're going to expect to get to a regional final so we can't just throw everybody out there we got to take our lumps and then live to fight another day which is what they've done but thomas harrington was the starter in that ball game and got absolutely smoked uh, it is uh and i hate it man for these young people but you know, one of the biggest games of your life and you you just really don't have a good showing. But um Thomas Harrington goes uh one inning, and then they get into the second and he does not retire a hitter. All told his 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 line. <laughs> one inning pitch, four hits, seven runs, all earned, one walk, one strikeout, three hit by pitches. Eleven batters faced. Gets just the one ground out and uh, just, you know, an, an abysmal start. And so it's already a seven nothing game before you have a chance to kind of pull some guys in. They threw a lot of guys late just to kind of burn this game up. But, you know, you're just trying to manage the game there. You're not trying to win anymore. It's just one of those things you look at and say, you know what, this is just not our day. Let's live to fight another one. And they have. Now they're in the regional final. There is a chance they'll bring Harrington back. That's one of the things I was told tonight. Real possibility that that could happen, and even if he gets you through the order just the one time, because he only threw. Let me look at the numbers here. Uh, they don't have the number of pitches reported, but I, I believe it's about 30 pitches. He just he didn't didn't pitch much because you know, he's hitting people and they were hitting him, and so uh, they got him one out of there. But he would be available to pitch some on Monday. So looking down here at some of these pitching numbers here. Again, kind of run it down. Cam uh, Cowan is a guy that I'm told that uh, could pitch. If I remember that correctly, a lot of guys on. Oh no, I'm wrong there. It's Cade Kuehler, That's the name. Uh, Cam is the one that's injured. So Cade Kuehler is a guy that uh, we should see tomorrow. Now, if my memory serves me correct, he has not pitched much this weekend. But uh, it's five and two on the year with a three point eight nine ERA with eight starts. He has kind of been a spot starter for them but he that's the two names that were mentioned to me Thomas Harrington that we should see and then um, Cade Kuehler. A lot of people are expecting him to be to be in the mix but uh, you know, talking to the coach after the ball game you know it's just they fully expect them to have to just kind of piece this thing together and try to find a way to you know, to, to manage nine innings of baseball and I don't know what would happen uh, you know if they have to play a second game. I'm sure they're not either. But, you know, they're not even thinking game two. They're just thinking let's win the first one and then we'll kind of figure these things out. But, uh, listen, it's a great group of guys, man. And I've really enjoyed getting to know some of these guys and and, uh, kind of being around them. They're kind of in awe, I guess, of the stadium. But after playing a few days, now we're just kind of down to baseball. Now it's not about how great the facilities are. It's about, you know what, we can find a way to have a winning day on Monday. We're going to be in a Super Regional for the first time in our history, which is incredible to think about. And uh, looking back at the Sanford numbers too, because I was just trying to look and see, you know, how much these guys may have pitched uh, there in Game Two. Uh, there, you know, some, they have thrown so many guys. They've even thrown uh, Zach Natto. It's even you know, they got some two way guys too that uh, that have pitched some before. That they they will use some of those guys as well. So don't be surprised if you see somebody trot in from right field or. He'll go over from shortstop and uh, and get on the bump because, again, they're just trying to get outs here. But um, Cade Kuehler threw just uh, 17 pitches against Sanford. just 17 pitches. Faces a uh, couple hitters here. Excuse me. Faces uh, three hitters, uh, gives up a hit, two walks, 17 pitches. But he hadn't pitched much, so we may see him. But they have thrown a lot of arms. Between, uh, I think the number's 417 pitches between them and uh, VCU on Sunday night. A lot of wear and tear. But at the end of the day, here's the deal. It doesn't matter who they throw. Mississippi State should be prepared and good to go. Uh, this is a non-conference opponent that is very, very thin, pitching ordinarily. Had a couple guys this year they were expected to be weekend guys, Got injured. One's had to have Tommy John, another one is just kind of coming back. So they're very, very deep into the the pitching roster before they get to start for Mississippi, and they've already had to find a way to kind of manage themselves, uh, you know, through some difficult ball games. So they lose the first one, win the second one, win the third one. They gotta win five to get out of here. And I just don't think that's that's realistic. I think Mississippi State Uh, being rested and coming back and uh, you know probably going to score a lot of runs tomorrow the main thing for Mississippi State is is we can't go out there and walk people and have hit by pitches and errors we've got to continue to play clean baseball if we don't help them I think Mississippi State wins the first game we kind of move on with life and uh, we get get ready to go to the bookstore downtown at Bookmart Cafe for a uh, launch party five to seven that's going to be an important part of life for me (laughs) and I hate to be selfish but uh, you know I don't want to have to play a winner-take-all game against anybody, whether I'm releasing a book or not. Let's just go ahead and handle business and get it done. That's big. Just get it done. And I just don't think Campbell's got enough left. I think I think these last couple of elimination ball games have really taken a lot out of them. But man, those guys can score some runs. That's the thing that I think about. Is you know every every time that you think they're out, you know that they find a way to keep going. You know, 16, 13 winners over Sanford, and that game went down to the final pitch. Sanford had bases loaded with, with one out, and they roll up a six, four, three double play ball. I mean, so but it's been insane to look at these numbers and see how well these guys hit the baseball. Now, granted, they're not facing SEC pitching, but you know we're going to throw some guys out there that you're not our frontline pitchers either. So we got to have to come ready to play. But I just don't think Campbell's going to have enough to kind of keep us off the base pass. And it's really not going to be about what they do, but about what we do. We've got to find a way to take care of ourselves. We've got to find a way to go out there and swing the bats and not give them free bases and free outs. All right, talk to Brooks Bryan at the ballgame tonight. Brooks is in town. He'll be at the ballgame Monday morning. And I hope that you are too. But Brooks tells me that, hey, you know what, phase two for construction for Portico – just got the permits and get all that underway moving some dirt getting some rows built we're getting ready to go man only a couple of houses left in phase one i know many of you are thinking you know what steve i've been thinking about making a move to Starkville. look no further man in portico it's great man i mean you owe it to yourself even if you're not ready to talk to a real estate agent even if you're not ready you know to go you know fill out a 1003 residential housing application when you're in town you know, maybe you're coming to super regional this weekend maybe you're coming to bargain tomorrow right out there and look for yourself going be amazed man it's a great place you come in off uh, 82 on a 12 so it's not some major detour right you're going you're going to the ball game take a few minutes take that turn right there at pat station road cross over old west point and then there's portico i mean guys it's 1.1 miles from campus i mean you owe it to yourself to go check it out newest construction got houses for fit every need two bedroom two bath four bedroom four bath. For a growing family, for a retiring family, whatever you want, man, I got it. Got that great walking trail. You can get out there and you know, cook some ribs, and get out there and walk around, walk those calories off. It's gonna be wonderful. But the best thing about it, man, is you're right there at Mississippi State. I mean, that, you, you moved. You didn't just move to Starkville. Uh, you have know, to be close to Walmart. You moved to Starkville to be close to Mississippi State. Hey, it's so much more convenient to get in and out of here. That's that's the drawing card to Starkville is Mississippi State. One point one miles from campus. You can't beat it. Give our friend, my friend, your friend, Mississippi State baseball's friend, Brooks Bryan, a call. I got a, I got a chance to tell my friends from Campbell, hey, this guy robbed a home run against Washington to send us to Omaha. So even maybe if you're just kind of on the fence about, you know what, maybe now's not the time, give Brooks a call, and he will kind of bring you up to speed on what's happening, uh, when the next things are going to be available, and also, to talk to you a little bit about what it means to wear the M over S and go to Omaha. How about that? Great, great stuff, man. Absolutely love uh, the fact that we've been able to partner for you guys for this. But give Brooks a call at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. So we did have some recruiting news over the weekend. Not a huge surprise, but Don Terry Russell, four-star defensive end out of Provine High School in Jackson, the younger brother of DeMonte Russell, commits to Mississippi State. Now, we've been talking about that on jeanspage.com for quite a while shared that with you guys on the show told you he's probably the next commitment there was some discussion he may do it at big dog camp he did so that's the only one we weren't expecting a lot of commitments we weren't pushing for a lot of commitments because you got to remember it's the first time your coaching staff have seen these players in person so now you you put them through drills you work them out you go back look at your film begin to make some evaluations then you start handing out some offers so Again, state right where we need to be, probably, probably a little bit overvalued as a recruiting class right now. And you say, Steve, how could you say that? Well, I'm just because of the fact that it's still relatively early. But listen, let's enjoy the fact that a lot of people said Mike Leach and his crew weren't going to be able to recruit. And they are. They are able to recruit. I think it's surprising a lot of people. Let me pull up these numbers here. I, think, I just want to put this in perspective for you guys. You know, Mississippi State, you know ordinarily we are a you know a twenty to twenty five recruiter you know sometimes in a great year when there's a lot of talent in state, we'll do better than that. you know maybe we get in the top twenty. I believe this class will end in the top twenty. We won't end up there around top ten. that just that's not gonna happen, but I think we'll end in the top twenty. I think we'll be maybe solid in the uh, in the high teens there. so as it stands today the Mississippi State signing class after the addition of Dante Russell, we have the number nine recruiting class in America. Number nine. That is a rarefied air for Mississippi State football recruiting. Again, we're not going to stay there, okay? But we're in good position right now. We're in a great position right now, and we've added another four-star. And that's the thing you look at and say, you know what? We're number nine in the country with two four-stars. And we're going to be adding some others. You know, feel really good about Hurst. You know, Bryson Hurst down there, offensive lineman negotiate. I, I, based on what I understand, he, Mississippi State is number one with a bullet. He will take in a camp at Florida State and then move towards a decision. I was told it was a possibility he might even cancel that visit to Florida State. But I believe now that's going to happen. But that would be another four-star that kind of gives you some staying power in the top 20 of the recruiting rankings. Then you start thinking about Stone Blanton. That's a guy, too. Got to grow up a Bulldog. Believe Mississippi State's going to add him sometime here in the next couple months. I don't think that's too far-fetched to think that he'll be a Bulldog before the season starts. I think it's probably the expectation now. Another four-star guy. You look at Xavier Harris, Germantown. Feel really good about him. He's got some people close to him that said, hey, they've reminded him. look, Look at what Mississippi State has done developing defensive linemen. Look at what they've done. You want to go to the NFL, that's probably a good place to go. It's reasonably close to home. You're going to play in a major conference, and you're going to play at a school that has a pedigree of producing NFL-quality defensive linemen. Xavier Harris, in good spot Mississippi State right now. I, from what I'm told, things couldn't have gone better over the weekend. So we feel really good about that. And again, that's in the four-star guy, right? So you start beginning to look at this thing, and you realize it's not inconceivable at all to think State could hang on and stay in the top twenty. And you'd say, well, Steve, I, I think maybe you're discounting our class a little bit. Yeah, you know, maybe I am. I'm just kind of preparing you for the fact that we're not going to stay in the top ten because there, there's going to be some other teams, you know, these five stars beginning to commit and that sort of stuff. I don't want you to panic and say, oh, we're dropping, we're dropping. No, it's, that's to be expected. We're not going to maintain that position. But, man, it's fun to be there right now. But it's not about where you, where, you, know, where you start, it's where you finish. You know, we finish up somewhere around 17, 18, I'm going to be thrilled, absolutely thrilled because the years that we do well – are years that we have a good crop in state. And so I think, obviously, with Mike Leach, you know, in this staff, who I've become more and more impressed with as recruiters, I have had so many people that mention Matt Brock to me as a guy that does a great job. And so you got Brock, you got Zach Arnett working Stone Blanton. That's great. Uh, Alabama commitment, Jaheim Otis was here on Friday, right? Oh, He's 110% committed, but he went camped to Mississippi State, and I plans to take visits too. Tony Hughes, Jeff Phelps on him, 100%. You know Tony's not going to give up on a four-star kid in South Mississippi in June, right? So, yeah, we're in good spots right now, and we're in a great spot with other players to add to this class. This is not a situation, and this is like we had it with Joe back in 18. It's like, uh, you know, we got off to a great start. We couldn't sustain it because we didn't have a lot of left, a a lot of targets out there to kind of sustain the class, to really push us into the top 20. That's where things are different this go around. You know, we have enough available prospects and scholarships to work with that should keep us in the top 20. And you begin to compare it to what we had last year. Remember, we're in the top 25 and you've got a handful of transfers and not even count recruiting rankings. So, again, they're still going to play football, right? <laughs> Whether they don't have any stars next to their name or not, they're still going to play football. Jalen Green, former five-star, he's going to play football at Mississippi State this fall so i'm really excited about where we are i'm really excited about what's next and uh listen you get listen you guys i think there's so many great things happening for us right now right now in sports you know it's like we had such a rough time in the winter months right you know we lose the golden egg which always sucks i don't care what year it is i don't care what the situation is when we lose the golden egg to those guys and we gotta listen to that for a year it stinks man it does we had a bunch of injuries, you know, had Colin Hill opt out, you know, but you know, we ended the season on a strong note, right? We ended the year, went in a couple ball games down the stretch, and you know, we beat a very good Missouri team, we won a bowl game. Then we had some up and downs in men's basketball, and many of us, including myself, that you know what, I don't know if it's going to work out with well, Ben. But down the stretch, I thought Ben Howland did the best coaching job he's done at Mississippi State. We had a bunch of struggles with women's basketball. And when all that was happening at the same time, it's like, man, my gosh, man, everything is just – everything is rotting around us. We had a losing season in football. We're stinking in men's and women's basketball. You know, we had to go hire a new coach in women's basketball, and it's like we're losing our edge. But now all of a sudden you look at it and say, okay, well, wait a minute now. I don't know if, uh, you know, there's anybody can claim a better offseason with the portal than Mississippi State on the men's or the women's side. And, yeah, I get it. That's only recruiting. You know, we want to see production, right? I mean, let's just be fair about it. You know, listen, I, I'm excited about these players, but i got to see it on the court, like all of you. But there is room for optimism. I, 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 you know, I know a whole lot more about the men's uh, prospects than I do the women's, but I'm excited about the fact that, you know, we had a couple coaches that need to have a big year this year. And I think both of them came out swinging and did a good job in the offseason, you know, securing some players that can come in and play right away softball had some struggles and then we get hot down the stretch and become the talk of the sec tournament and then we end up going to a regional you know what probably should expect more from that you know when you got mia and fa right but the fact that our coaching staff was able to keep those young ladies engaged when things are really going bad for us and turn that thing around gives me some hope for next year and i do think samantha ricketts is the right coach I think there's some leadership qualities there that uh, have to be appreciated. Listen, I don't know a lot about softball, but I know about managing people. And I know when things are going right and people quit on you. I know when you're not winning, people check out on you. I know when you're, you know, when, when you're hanging up a bunch of losses in routes, you know, people will begin to kind of lose faith in you as a coach. But that's not what happened. I'm just looking at the evidence. Down the stretch, we were as difficult to beat as anybody in the country. Ask Ole Miss. Then I look at this baseball thing, and, you're like, you know, we're like, hey, you know, we've had some – I remember after the Arkansas sweep, I mean, you know, it's like, is this just going to be a mediocre year for us? This is going to be one of those years that we're just kind of lucky to get in a regional somewhere, maybe we win a game or two and we come home? You know, that, that's just beneath our expectations, right? But we battled back, beginning to find some things. And all of a sudden we're getting excited, and it's like you look up, and all of a sudden we're a game away from a super regional – against the Notre Dame team that uh, I think most of us still believe was overrated even though they had a big weekend. And so now I begin to think about this in linear terms, and I think, you know what, we're three games away from Omaha. What? Yeah, we're three games away from Omaha. Simple as that. We go on a little win streak here, here in the postseason, and we haven't lost a game in a new dude yet in the postseason. So here's what I know is going to happen. We win that ball game tomorrow. Let's say we win the regional tomorrow, and we should we fully expect to i know exactly what mississippi state fans are going to do next week we're going to turn out and we're going to have duty noble field as the preferred destination for college baseball fans in the country it is going to be an incredible weekend people thought the stanford weekend was great just wait just wait we'll be rocking again and i can't wait for it it'll be next year before i get to go out and do it and hang with you guys again out and let lounge but you know what we can go hang out in omaha on a day off too right so let's get behind this team let's get excited i know many of you can't make the game on monday if you can please do but if some for some reason you can't and you know if you hear of any bulldogs please make your tickets available to others we want as many bulldogs can get there as they possibly can Team needs you to be there, and it's not going to be the same on a Monday morning. It's just not. And Monday baseball I mean, morning baseball hasn't been great for us. So uh, let's turn out and show out. I know there's some Bulldogs that have uh, reached out and said, "Hey, Steve, I'm I'm going to be off." I was able to get off to go to the ball game on Monday. I look forward to that too. I look forward to seeing you guys, man. I do. I love it when you guys are here. I love when we got big events like this that unite us. I I don't like controversy. I know people think, well, you know, Steve, you've done so many things in life and wrote so many articles and. You know, broke some news, good, bad, and different. I, I, I like it when there's harmony. I, re, I really do. I don't, I don't mind getting my nose dirty a little bit, but at the same time, too, I love the days when we can just enjoy college athletics. I really do. I don't think there always has to be some type of conspiracy thing we got to dig into. I mean, there's always room for improvement stuff, but I, I'm not a guy that always just wants to go look for trouble. You know, I like it when we can kind of just celebrate the fact that we're winning. And so let's go win a regional today. And then uh, let's go get ready to go play Notre Dame. That's what we wanted. I think we've got a great path to Omaha, and I'm eager to get there. I'm eager to get back. I miss it, man. I really do. All right, listen, reminder, too, uh, book release party, provided we don't play a second game on Monday, book release party will be at Book Martin Cafe Monday evening, 5 to 7 in Starkville, Mississippi. So Main Street in Starkville. Bookmart and Cafe, five to seven Monday night. So I'm banking on the Bulldogs winning this morning game. I'm going to cover the game, and then I'm going to head down to the Bookmart, and uh, we're going to sign some books. And I'm going to do a reading at six. And uh, it's going to be kind of difficult for me because I've never really shared these things publicly. And uh, yeah, your heart's in this stuff, you know what I'm saying? It's just a different deal. So I thank so many of you that have reached out and said, "Hey, I'm buying the book and excited about having it." It means a lot to me. If you want the other books, you can buy them at Book Martin Cafe or you can go to alphadogsthebook.com and you get personalized copy. Father's Day's coming up. It is time for you to take care of your dad. And many of you say, you know what? I've already got my dad one. Well, get all the dads in your life one. How about that? You can get Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs right there at alphadogsbook.com. And maybe dad needs a new shirt. Go to starkvillains.com and you can get the Stark Villains gear. Handled by the fine folks at Deep South Pal. That's going to do it for today, or should I say this morning, uh, I got a couple things I got to do before I get in bed. We'll get a few hours sleep. We'll get up, be on the Bow Bound show, and then we'll be headed to Dirty Noble Field and uh, looking to win a regional. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.